Welcome back to the Brick House Podcast, Season 3, Episode 8. I'm Andrew Pissarro, in here with the one and only... Joseph Brennan. That's a weird accent. How's uh, how's your day going, brother? Pretty good. Sipping on a glass of Chardonnay, listening to some Marvin Gaye. It's been a good day. Just stay out of my way, or you'll pay. Listen to what I say. How about I just go eat some hay? I can make things out of clay and lay by the bay. I just may. What do you say? Okay, I see what you're doing, rhyming man. It, it's not rhyming day here in the uh, in Brooklyn. It is very much laundry day. I have so much laundry drying in my bedroom right now, but it is what it is. We'll put it all away eventually, and by eventually, I mean probably Friday. But anyways, let's get right into it. How do we start the show, Joe? Top of the queue. So last week, the fa- the famed rapper Common released a new album, A Beautiful Revolution. I dug it. It's a typical Common album, smart, colloquial. I particularly like the track A Riot in My Mind with the guitarist Lenny Kravitz and one of our favorite bands, Nothing, uh, released their fourth album, The Great Dismal, last Friday. How did I miss this? I don't know how you missed that, man. I'm I'm really ashamed of myself right now. Yeah, get your head out of your ass. I really need to. So Nothing released their fourth album, and if you recall from previous pods, I have this theory that on fourth albums, bands kind of lose their their chutzpah if you will and after listening to the first track on this new nothing album i said i I don't know if i'm feeling this it it sounds like they lost their mojo they lost their moxie and then track two comes on and i was proven a hundred percent wrong this album i love to hear this 100 percent fucking rips i can a hundred percent in confidence say at the end of the year, this album would be in my top 10. Is that the Joe Brennan seal of approval? That is the seal of approval. If you are one of those motherfuckers that say rock and roll is dead, I say no. Fuck you. I say fuck off. I was going to say suck my dick, but I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to be a better person. So, so none of that. Just listen to this fucking album. Start from track two, though. If you like grunge, if you like loud guitars, if you like pounding drums in your throat, Swirling buzzing guitars, top-notch production by Will Yip. Check out this album. We love nothing on this podcast. We saw them for New Year's. We've both seen them a few times. I've actually got a buddy who's like knows them because he's I, I a met Philly them. guy. I met the guy twice. I've heard nothing but good things about them. So except the fact uh, that he stabbed the guy and went to prison. Right. We don't talk about that. But the other thing, they're awesome. So I'm very excited <laughs> to listen to this. And it's funny because the band is that is that everything you got for top of the queue? Yes, just those two. So it's funny because the band that I'm about to talk about, I would actually I think we could see nothing open up for them. And the band that I'm going to mention is Royal Blood, the two piece out of England, which you guys remember they had that album a couple years ago. Uh, they had two good albums, but the first one I really liked it had Out of the Black, well, the Little Monster I think was the other one that that really everybody uh, and figured out was really good. Uh, Loose Change was probably my first favorite track off of their first album, which is just a self-titled Royal uh, Royal Blood, and that was in 2014, and they did How Did It Get So Dark, which had I Only Lie When I Love You. Well, they put out a new track. It's called Trouble's Coming, and I hated it. I did not like it because part of the whole allure of Royal Blood was the fact that it was a two-piece, and it's not a two-piece in the way that... Uh, Black Keys are a two-piece where you just have the drums and you have a guitarist. They just have a bass and... A, drum, a bassist and a drummer, and the bassist sings, the drummer sings a little bit, 
but they have this very like dark looming sound. It's a little grungy. Like you can clearly tell they grew up in like the hard rock, like metal grunge scene. And honestly, Trouble's Coming sounded like, like there's a purple disco machine remix of this track. And it just sounds like there's too much. Like, you know how you get that, that pure garage band sound from a band for the first couple albums. And then like the record label actually decides that they want to pay attention to them because all the kids are showing up in their flannels and going to the concerts. And then they just give them this like way too much musical shit that no one wants it's just like oh hey we can put all this fluff sound and we can put all this shit in there it's like no we kind of liked the fact that these guys sounded like they were playing at the garage down the street and me and my buddies were there drinking miller high lifes because it cost 250 we're not here to show up and act like some musical snob and drink an 18 dollar ipa because ipas suck and when you put too much into this Facts. like and that's what Trouble's Coming sounded like to me. I hope I'm proven wrong because I saw Royal Blood back in like 2016, 2017, and they rocked my fucking face off. And so the you're fact saying the new album sounds like, uh, sounds like a fucking shitty IPA? I absolutely hate that shit. Are you fucking kidding me? You can't drink. It's like eating a full fucking meal drinking one of those beers. Tastes weird. For me, it's alcohol. For me, I think it's called binge alcoholism where I'm drinking so that I can get drunk. I am I mean, I don't know if they're putting out an album, but the fact is not many bands are putting out a single these days if they're not going to put out an album immediately after. Like, you've just had six months of lockdown. You put out one signal, come on, get your head out of your ass and put out a whole album. Like, it's not rocket science, okay? Like, Freddie Gibbs, West Side Gun, like, all these people are putting out, like, two to three projects this year. You can put out one album. I'm sorry. It's not that hard. It is. I know that it is. I know that I'm being mean, but... You get what I'm saying. You get why I'm fired up about this because I love this group and I love the the sound that they're going for. And I I found too much of a club mix of a band that I'm not trying to go to the club to see. If we could crank out two pods a week, you can crank out an album in one year. That's very fair. That is extremely fair. Now, mind you, it only takes us about thirty minutes to tape both of those episodes, but we'll 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 get. <laughs> you can write. You can write one song per week that we do this podcast two episodes a week that's not that's not asking too much so yeah that's my opinion i didn't like it but feel free to check it out and i guess you can call the uh the hotline and tell me that i'm very wrong or that i listened to the wrong remix maybe but you can do that at 917-740-6429 by the way joe follow us on instagram and twitter at brickhouse pod with no c leave a five-star review on itunes andrew you mentioned the phone number have, have we gotten any like voicemails has anyone actually called us let me tell you joe that's exactly where i was about to go we actually have two voicemails the first one comes from my younger brother let's hit it right now what's up guys i have a little bit of a debate for you guys to settle so me and my friend we were talking about what the greatest rock album was i said uh, rumors by by uh fleetwood mac and he said moving pictures by rush now, they're both great albums, but neither of us are willing to budge on our opinions. So, what's your opinion? Which one is better? So, first off, both are classic, great rock albums. Uh, uh, pardon me. Keep that in there. Keep that in there. So, let's start with the Rush album, because that is the lesser of the two albums, of course, but still a great album. The first four tracks, the A-side, if you're looking at a record are all rock classics. Andrew, I think it has, what, Tom Sawyer? Opens with Tom Sawyer, Into Red Barchetta, YYZ, which kills, and then Limelight. That's about as perfect of an entire side of a record that you can do. All classics. But the Rumors album, if I'm not mistaken, sold over like 21 million records in America. 
It has fucking the chain. It has you can go your own way. It has uh, what's that? What's that song with the guy, the dog face, and the four twenty? Oh, dreams. Are oh, you talking yeah, about that dreams? One. That one, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not to mention all the the B sides on the album that are just as good. So, yeah. So yeah, rumors is a better album. I I would say that the Rush album is a better rock album because the other one's kind of sappy, but. Nothing wrong with listening to the sappy breakup albums. No, there, there's very much nothing wrong with listening to Rumors by Fleetwood Mac at any time. And let's get into our second voicemail, who comes from the unofficial but official third member of this podcast. We need to get him a mic so we can get him on some episodes in the near future. Tom, you need a friend named Mike, and you just got to talk into his face, okay? Oh, man, the Brickhouse boys are back. And the people are buzzing. This is exactly what we needed in quarantine, guys. So thank you so much for coming back and gracing us on our on the airways here. And we'll make this one real fast for you. I just want to know your top five bad, good movies. So this could be whoever you want. Are there just bad movies that you think are good or movies that you like that you're just embarrassed to admit that you like? That's what I'm wondering what your top five is on there. Anyway, boys, be good. All right, Joe. So that's we've heard from Tom, and Tom is why I haven't told you the other part of my top of the queue, which is I watched the movie Waiting over the weekend with Ryan Reynolds and so many other classic people, and it is a bad it is a bad movie. Like it's not a great movie, but it's a good bad movie that I'm like, yeah, I liked that movie. But we we were talking about waiting because it was always on it was always on TV. Mm-hmm. Like I believe it was on the channel Fuse, channel fifty six. If you're living in New York, all the time, just like all the time. And also, I mean, the like everyone in that cast like went on to go do plenty of things. Obviously, you had Anna Ferris, you had the girl who would go on to play Sloane in Entourage was on it. You had the kid from Accepted. Yep, Justin Long. David Cochner, who was in Anchorman and played Todd Packard in The Office. Who was the guy, uh, the cook? Luis Guzman. Yes. Um, like, just... And you also had uh, John Francis Daly, who was Sam Weir on Freaks and Geeks, who's now gone on to do a bunch of things. Like, just so many people who would go on to do a bunch of stuff or, like, babies in this. Dane Cook was in this movie as, as a line cook himself. So... Uh, yeah, so we're going to do our top five good, bad, or bad, good movies. Just movies that we're maybe a little embarrassed to watch, to say that we like. And I'll let you go first, Joe. Take it away. Oh, you want me to go first? Take it away. Oh, man. Uh, I thought about this a lot. I'm going to put Euro Trip at my number five. A lot of my movies are going to qualify in the, I don't need to put a lot of attention into watching this. There's not a lot of plot. It's probably a young adolescent movie. And most of it's either about getting inebriated or attempting to meet women. And Eurotrip, I feel like, has a lot of that. That's where the all-time classic Lustra song, song, Scotty Doesn't Know, is performed by one Matt Damon shaved as a skinhead in this movie. Uh, So I'll go with Eurotrip as my number five. So I need to preface my top five before I proceed. I changed my typeface my typing on my phone to spanish on accident and i don't know how to get oh, it back yeah. so That's good. so i misread tom's voicemail i thought it was what are the five worst worst movies you've seen 
not the five worst best movies you've seen. Well, I mean, his exact quote was, "I just, uh, I just want to know your top five bad good movies." So this could be every everyone bad movies that you think are good, or movies that you like that you're embarrassed to admit that you're like. Okay, so definitely not the Notebook. Definitely not Five Hundred Days yeah, of Summer. Def- definitely for not sure that. not. Yeah. Nope, definitely none definitely of that. Not on my list. Hell, no, no. So number five is uh, this movie I watched on Amazon Prime uh, last week called Horror at Party Beach. It's from the 1960s. It features a surf rock band playing on the beach with a bunch of scantily clad uh, beachgoers, men and women. And there is a terrible costume of a beach monster turned from radioactive waste, of course, uh, that abducts women and kills them and brings them back to the ocean. I, I think there's going to be a vibe of that a little bit more on this this list here. My next one is like a cult classic indie movie that I found on Netflix called The Dirty Deeds. It's with the dude from Heroes. It's from 2005, and it's with Milo Ventimiglia. I have no idea how to pronounce this guy's last fucking name, but he's in a bunch of he's in a bunch of like random things. It's a high school graduation. They have one night to do ten crazy dares in twelve hours, and it's like a more complicated and less r-rated version of american pie meets like a frat party type deal and so yeah i would put that up there i watched that more times than i am proud to admit in college when i was like i have no idea what to watch i'll just put this on my number four is a movie from the 1970s featuring sylvester stallone and henry winkler my dad showed me this movie back in high school it's called the lords of flatbush it is a moving about nothing it's about doing nothing in Brooklyn around Flatbush and just being a fucking, basically a fucking bum that wears a leather jacket and has a slight slur because you're Sylvester Stallone. I kind of want to see this movie now. I think it was on Netflix a while back. All right. My next one that I would totally watch this movie right now if it was on, on Netflix and his other Ryan Reynolds movie. I'm putting Van Wilder on my list. Like not an all time great movie, but just hilarious college shenanigans like I'm not gonna say it's not better than old school, but and not better than than Animal House. But if neither of those movies happen, we don't have Van Wilder, and I will put Van Wilder on my list. That's another one of those movies that was like always on, like what was it, VH1 mm-hmm. or like Comedy yep. Central, one of those two. MTV, yeah, like on a Saturday night. It's like yes, that's one of those movies that I've watched more times than I'm okay with admitting, with all the commercials. Yeah, like I don't know if I've actually seen that movie like without commercials in it. No, never. My number three is a movie called Thanks Killing. My friend Luke Bonomo showed me this back in high school. I think they only had like a thousand or two thousand dollars to make this movie. It's like a anim- animatronic kind of turkey that like goes around Thanksgiving killing people. I think the movie starts out with the quote "Gobble gobble motherfucker." Gobble gobble motherfucker. It's a great way to start a movie. Yeah. Permission to go there. Where are we going? Permission to go there. Sure. Why not? We watched this movie together. Very inebriated at the early hours of my house in college. No, no, I have this movie on my list too. Well, it's my number two. And can we say it on? The, can we say it at the same time? Yeah, because my number two is also the same. Oh, they're perfect. One, two, three. Toxic, Toxic Avenger. Avenger. Just one of the most ridiculous movies I've ever watched in my entire life. No idea when this movie came out. There's four of them. 1986. Okay, there's four of them. Them. They have. That's how. That's how many they made. You remember our friend Tom that we interviewed? Yes. Tom Cassess. I think he worked for that production company for That's like a amazing. Hot second. 
and I think we should have him back on the podcast just for just to talk about that experience. Nothing else. I don't want to know how he's doing. I don't want to know what he's listening to. I just you don't want to know about his new movie entitled Beanstalk. I do actually. I'm being facetious, but I just want to hear about the Toxic Avenger. The plot line of this movie is a bullied janitor at a fitness club where everyone is ridiculously hot gets thrown into a pit of of waste and becomes the Toxic Avenger and then beats the shit out of everyone. <laughs> the opening, there's like a, when we watched it, there's an opening PSA of this like garbage monster who's talking about how his- That's smoking crack. He's smoking crack and he's talking about how everything went downhill when he started pimping. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. You know what told me about that movie? Zeke. That makes sense. I think we talked about this when we maybe when we had him on our radio show in college. Probably because I feel like he was. I feel like that's where this came from. And he also talked about um, I, the other movie he talked about was Flying Guillotines. Guillotines. Uh, it's definitely Guillotines, not Guillotines. Um, but we never watched. You that. have a much better memory than I do. Uh, yeah, apparently, I haven't killed off all the brain cells. Only, only the important <laughs> ones. Joe, do you want to go for your number one, or should I go for my number one? My number one is the movie entitled The Room. If you're familiar with uh, the Seth Rogen and James Franco movie. The Disaster Artist. Oh, The Disaster. I started that and never finished This movie, it. The Room, is what The Disaster Artist is based about. It's such yeah, a I bad the, movie that it's good. I heard that The Disaster Artist was a better movie than The Room was. I have yet to see The Disaster Artist because I love The Room. The Disaster Artist was about the making of The Room, and that's with... Uh, Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, and it's with... Uh, James Franco uh, and J- James Franco, Dave yeah. Franco and Seth Rogen. My favorite bad movie is the 2006, and I'm reading from Wikipedia, American stoner comedy known as Grandma's Boy, starring Alan Corvert, Nick Swardson. Don't they smoke weed with a monkey in that movie? They do indeed smoke weed with a monkey in that. The woman, Doris Roberts, who was the mom on Everybody Loves Raymond, plays the main character's grandma. My, like, I will always have a crush on Lisa Cardellini. It's not because of this movie, but that definitely helped for it. Essentially, the main guy's like 40 years old. He's a video game creator. He gets kicked out of his house. He moves back in with his grandma, and then he just starts throwing, like, rages. It's It used to be on TV all the time, and it's funny because Alan Corvert is a writer for all the Adam Sandler movies. He was actually in Big Daddy as, like, one of the friends of... Adam Sandler in the movie just a ridiculous movie like not great and I've watched it way more like way too many times than I am proud to admit I I also think I've listed this movie as my number one hangover movie that movie that you put on when you're like super hungover on a Friday on a Saturday afternoon and you're like I'm gonna put this on I'm gonna fall asleep three times in the middle of this movie and it's okay because it's not that important so yeah that would be my number one well thanks for listening guys this has been a lovely time